Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Thomas Buff. I'm the editor of wolvesblog.com, which is unsurprisingly a website dedicated to Wolverhampton Wonders Football Club. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at wolvesblog. And hey, guys, I'm Dan, uh, Arsenal fan, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Terrific. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Although I could be in better spirits uh, after Tottenham's 2-1 loss to Leicester yesterday. And uh, I thought it was appropriate to kind of ask what's going on at Tottenham first. So I'll just kind of ramble about them for a minute. Uh, sorry, people listening at home. And then you guys feel free to to jump in with how you're viewing it. For me, uh, there's a lot of actual reasons on the pitch for why Tottenham have struggled so badly. For those that aren't aware, Tottenham have picked up 19 points from their last 17 matches, thus saith a very popular stat that was doing the rounds yesterday after the match. Um, but really, just all of 2019 has not gone well for Tottenham domestically. Obviously, the Champions League final was something that Tottenham reached after big wins against City and Ajax. And I think that that is a good place to start about why this is happening. Uh, for the kind of superstitious... Maybe we used up all of our luck, all of the goodwill we could muster to push it all the way towards potential European glory, which then we did not end up attaining anyway. Um, But I think practically, I do think that there is a significant hangover in this team. And I, I think kind of following a stat from last year to this year, even though the trend has stayed similar, I think it's for very different reasons. Obviously, last year... We struggled with Kane and Son and Delhi all being hurt or gone. Of course, Son going off and doing international duty uh, throughout January. Then Kane and, and Deli Ali both getting hurt. Then they come back. Then the focus is on the Champions League. And clearly that worked <laughs> for the majority of the time. Um, but then we just limped through the end of the season, as did most teams. Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United all just kind of stumbling to the finish last season. Then in the summer, we finally buy players. I think the intent being to refresh the squad, you know, make people a little less sure that they're always going to be starting, which has happened this year with Ericsson not starting every match for Tong and missing the first couple. But I think that's fed into a different issue, which I'll dovetail back to in a bit. But those players that we signed haven't really been available. And Dombele has already missed two matches through injury. He hasn't looked as good since he came back from his hamstring. Lo Celso got injured on Argentina duty. Sassignan yet to play a minute for Tottenham Hotspur after we signed him while he was injured. So that kind of like boost that you're meant to get in your squad when you bring in new players that are kind of challenging for places hasn't really happened yet. Um, Like I said, with a lot of the uh, players losing their automatic starting place, which again is supposed to kind of challenge them, make them feel like uh, they really need to, to perform their best to keep their spot. Instead, we've just gotten a lot of communication issues. Davinson Sanchez, when he was playing, has gotten beaten three or four times 
individually making mistakes that led to goals, specifically off of his back shoulder, which I'm sure listeners of this show are very tired of me hearing about, but I'm also very tired of seeing it. Um, then Jan and Toby don't seem to be in the same wavelength in defense. We keep rotating the wing backs, which we've done a lot, but there used to be that security on the inside of knowing it was Jan and Toby, these two center backs that have played together for over a decade. Now all of a sudden look like they're strangers. Now the wing backs are changing and they don't know who they're going to be playing next to. Sometimes it's Devinson Sanchez playing right back, thinking maybe he'd be less of a liability there, but that has not proven to be the case. Kane basically stopped shooting. Some of the goals have still crept in, but that hasn't been there. Erickson has had two of the worst performances I've seen from him as a Tottenham Hotspur player the last two matches. Just everything is not great. And I don't know when the turning point is. I think there just has to be some big win, which we kind of thought was the Crystal Palace match, but turns out that was a bit of a false dawn. Um, and of course, if Sergio Reyes' goal is allowed by VAR, then we're up 2-0, and maybe we're not even having this conversation. But these are the kind of margins that we're playing in right now and I think there's definitely complacency in the squad right now this is a unit that's been together for a very long time like I said has technically been refreshed but hasn't felt the the effects of it yet and just cannot seem to hold a lead right now because of communication issues and defense Um, some arguing that Pochettino isn't as invested as he used to be I don't particularly view that to be the case and in terms of whether or not there should be any like actions taken because of this this poor start and continuing into last season poor 2019 I don't really think anything needs to be explicitly changed to react I I just think something has to bounce our way soon uh, or we could be in for a very long season that's my very long take we'll come to you now Thomas what have you made of Tottenham's early struggles uh I'm not sure I mean I think when you're a fan you think you it's easy to go into meltdown quite easily and i think the stat you trotted out about the the form over you know the end of last season the start of this season makes it seem worse than it probably is i'm not i don't subscribe heavily to that you know we were poor at the end of last season we've been slow this season i think you've got to take each season on its own merits um last season you did pretty well where where was it did you finish third i can't remember what was it third or fourth fourth and you know champions league final i mean is it really that bad this season i mean you're seventh in the table eight points you could easily have won that game at leicester you could easily have beaten arsenal you were two nil up in that game you know and if either of those results had gone your way you'd probably be third now which is ultimately what you're trying to do because you aren't going to catch the other two um so you know, I'd, I think I'd question and probe a bit more about whether it's really that bad for Tottenham. Um, but, I mean, certainly as an outsider looking at the club over the summer, um, I, Ericsson is a key player agitating for a move. OK, not really doing anything major, not throwing his toys out of the pram, but he was clear he wanted to exit. Um, and then, you know potentially some some fatigue and hangover from last season but I, I just I, I just think Tottenham are where they are I think those new signings you alluded to you probably needed them to be fit and firing because that that squad needed some reinforcements and some backup so it, you know if you get those back you'll probably be fine that you'll you'll go up a level again um I still think you'll finish in the top four um which is ultimately the the requirement and and then obviously you want to try and go far in one of the the cup competitions uh, and the Champions League. So uh, I just think it's probably a bit early for, for panic to set in. Um, but I think if you 
if you have had a, a, a slow start, it's possibly just because, you know, the, the reasons that you've kind of touched on are injuries to a couple of players and, and a couple of having to reshape the squad slightly with a couple of players who left over the summer. Um, but I, I think it's too early to panic. Um, I have a different take. Um, so I know last season you guys were not the same team as you had been the previous ones based on just underlying numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you started well, they were, it was kind of like uh, you guys, us, and um, I think United or a couple teams up higher on the table were like very prime regression candidates, and um, you guys were one of them. And you end up regressing in the league, as we saw last se- at the end of last season with um, a very poor run of results in the league which was covered up by the Champions League, which, I mean, you take that. Um, you know, any time you get to a Champions League final, um, you don't really care what it covers up. Um, but And that just seems to have continued into this season, so I think it's a bit more of a long-term thing. I think it is going back to last season. Um, why that happened in the first place, I'm not entirely sure. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say Kane has dropped off a bit from his absolute peak like two years ago. Um, the defenders got older. Lloris has got older. Um Deli Alley's been fine, but not quite as good. Uh, I'm not entirely and sure. In and out with injuries, yeah. Yes, that too. Uh, I'm not entirely sure which, if any of those are, you know, the thing to make this happen, or if it's just a combination, or if there's something else I'm missing. Um, but whatever it is, I do think it goes back a bit further. Um, and I'm not entirely, as far as this season, um, Erickson having only played 335 minutes out of the 540 available is not great. Um, we saw a couple times early in the season uh, they started games without him, came on, and then he came on and completely changed the game. He's very, very good, and um, I don't watch him every week, but appears very, very important to the Tottenham team. Um, I'd have him over most number 10s in the world right now. He's fantastic. Um, so him not playing and then possibly not being entirely committed is far from ideal. Um, after that, again, Kane has also started the season very poorly, so I think that's probably... If I had to cite one specific thing, it's um, those two your two star attacking players not being quite the same. Um, I'm not entirely sure it's just that, but those would be two things I would point to. Yeah, I definitely uh, see points of that each of you are making. Thomas, I it's very nice to hear somebody to say to calm down. <laughs> we will get to your start as well, which you might be speaking from experience there a little bit, especially this early in the season. Um, yeah, maybe it is much to do about nothing, but kind of like Dan mentioned as well. Some some of the trends have been pointing down for a while now, and this might just be some of that hard regression. And we'll see if those new signings can indeed kind of turn things around once they get back. Um, and, and well, I was going to say back into the starting 11, but two of them haven't been there yet. But um, if they can start to make make that impact. Um, on the other side of that match, of course, was Leicester pulling off a 2-1 win. Um, they play very, very fast. Um, Madison in midfield looks, people keep talking about him like he's going to be a future star. I, I think it's time to start talking about whether he's just there already or not, both with his creativity and also with his goal scoring ability. I know that the numbers aren't always racking up that way, but he seems capable of doing just about anything on a pitch anytime needed. Um, so they've started very well, currently top four. West Ham have also started very well, having added, as Dave and I mentioned on the transfer recap, uh, they added two Champions League level players. And Seb Haller and Pablo Fornals. Um, Fornals pulling off a few silky skills today as well. Uh, 
we have this conversation around this time every year when teams are up there surprisingly. Last year, and I think the year before, both Watford was up pretty early in the season. We'll get to Watford later, though. Um, but do you think that these two have a chance of uh, sustaining these really hot starts that they've had? <clears throat> yeah, I don't see any reason why not. I think they're both pretty good teams. Um, both showed at times last season that they could you know, mix it up with anybody. Um, obviously, as a Wolves supporter, they were in and around us last season, and it felt like we benefited from their inconsistency. Um, West Ham had a terrible start last season. Leicester had a wobble sort of early to mid-season when they got rid of Puel and changed managers. Um, I think they've both got good managers. I think they've both recruited quite well and built teams, um, you know, over the summer. So I, I don't think I don't think there's uh, should be major concerns over them dropping down, dropping their level significantly. But you know, there's such thin margins in the Premier League between so many teams that it's not inconceivable that they might have a few dodgy results and end up where they were last season, which is what ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth in the table. So, um, but you know, we've played Wolves have played Leicester already on the opening day. Arguably we should have beaten them. It was a nil nil game. We had a goal chalked off and, you know, we're second bottom in the table. So that's how much of a margin I think there is between probably Outside of what you call the big six, everyone else, there's such a small margin between those teams that, you know, it doesn't surprise me if one of them's uh, operating fifth, sixth in the table um, as much as it does if, if one of them's 16th, 17th in the table. So it's um, it's a very strange Premier League right now, I think. Um, but if, you, if you're asking me for a, where I think those clubs will finish, I actually do think one of those teams will finish in the top six come the end of the season. I don't know which one I'd probably go for, but um, yeah, I think both of those teams are progressing nicely and can feel good about where they are now and what's ahead. So I liked both these teams coming to the season and had uh, two concern or had a concern about each um, about West Ham. It was their defense, um, which they have kept, uh, was it, is this three consecutive clean sheets now? Um, a couple, it, uh, there was, the stat going around, I can't remember if it's all competitions or Premier League. It's three in the Premier League. Um, so that's promising, though um, what was it, underlying numbers would suggest they've been getting a bit lucky defensively. Um, they have what, seven real goals conceded and about 11 and a half uh, expected, which, I mean, is not the end-all be-all, but more like, you know, if the underlying numbers are pointing to something that we already thought was a concern going in, that's something to take note of. Um, but I do love their attack. Their attack is really, really good. Like Felipe Anderson, Haller, uh, Lanzini, Fornals, um, Yarmolenko, those are all really good players. Mm. And like attack can boost a leaky defense. That's totally possible. Um, I, I could totally see that happening. Uh, Leicester, I've, it's the opposite. I am slightly concerned about their firepower going forward, uh, especially if there's a Jamie Vardy injury. Uh, and again, was it? Uh, they have the third fewest expected goals for so far uh, in the Premier League, which and their defense has been fantastic, which has been able to carry them through it. Um, again, not the end-all be-all, but um, just kind of something to note. Uh, I think a big part for Leicester for possibly making a push for the top six would be shifting James Madison inside from um, a winger, from being a winger to uh, more of a number 10, his natural position. I think that could really help them. Also getting something out of some other attackers, if Iose Perez can really have a great season, which I don't expect, but, you know, maybe. Um, or, or Harvey, Harvey Barnes. Barnes yeah, yeah, Harvey Barnes is the other one I'm thinking of um, to really step up uh, and give them another real goal-scoring threat. 
Uh, that could push them into the top six. Uh, West Ham could get pushed there just through their ridiculously good attack. Or, you know, one of Chelsea or United could just completely implode. Um, and the sixth place point tally could just be somewhat low. So I think if there is a team that pushes into the top six, it's probably Leicester. And West Ham is probably one of the better candidates after them. Uh, I'm not sure if they will, but um, I think if there's anyone who could, it's probably one of these two. Yeah, both of you there have mentioned that one of these sides could could break the top six, and then it's likely that someone does. I don't think that's too shocking of, of a claim to make, but with Arsenal's weird performance at Villa today, Tottenham dropping points to Leicester, Chelsea dropping points, albeit to Liverpool, and they had a few late chances, United obviously disappointing again. Do you think there's any chance that the top four is any different this year? Um, well, Liverpool and Man City are obviously going to finish first and second, respectively. Uh, mm, I don't know. I think uh, I, th- I do think Man United and Chelsea are going to struggle, um, and that's you know Chelsea came and you know tucked Wolves in fairly comfortably last weekend. Um, but I you know we played both Chelsea and Man United, and I'm not 100% confident that the, the makeup of their team. They're both got quite youthful, kind of inexperienced teams. Um, I think Tottenham. So, you, you know, you're saying, is it Tottenham and Arsenal going to finish third and fourth? Mm, possibly, I think so. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's going to be much between the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester, West Ham. This year. I think that margin is going to be thinner than it's ever been. Um, but we are still very young in the season. So um, there's no doubt that the, the top four, those four teams we just talked about, have the most quality. Um, but it's just about consistency. And um, it seems to me like Arsenal, Tottenham, all those teams, they're struggling to get that results consistently. Um, and that has been a problem, as you say, from the last season through to this season. Um, so, but but no, I don't, I, it's very tough to say, but I think if you're asking me now, I think we're talking a change to the, the top six order of things, but probably not the top four. Uh, when we say different, do we mean like a non-top six team making it in or not the same top four as last season? Uh, I was going with just not the same top four as last season, but I'm sure you will think that, that will be the case. Well, uh, yeah, I would think. Uh, I mean, it might be. There's a very real chance it's not the same top four as last season. Um, I don't think a non-top six team will make up that top four, though. Um, Interesting, for yeah, sure. Right sure now, would you yeah. take Arsenal over the trio of Tottenham, Chelsea, and United? The trio? Um, I'm going to say no. But but it sounds like we're all kind of landing on the same four, even though, you know, the second two after City and Liverpool are a bit shakier. Yeah, agreed. Fair enough. Uh, all right, then, uh, also... It very quickly turned into talking about the big clubs again. But serious congratulations to Leicester and West Ham on both starting very well. They are both very talented teams. And I'm excited to see what they do this year. A little less West Ham for club bias reasons. But both of them very interesting to watch for sure. Uh, I kind of alluded to talking about Watford in a little bit. And here we are going to do that now. Uh, Obviously, at the beginning of the month, they make another managerial switch, as is their want. Um, This time getting rid of Javi Gracia and bringing back Kike Sanchez-Flores. Now, Gracia said that one of the reasons he thought he was let go uh, was the uh, disappointing loss in the cup final to Manchester City. Uh, oh, I wish I'd pulled up the score. Was that 5-1, 6-1? A lot to a little. Um. It, yeah, it was It was a crooked scoreline to be sure. So then 
don't want to say it's funny, but it is coincidental that then another big loss befalls their new manager and Kike Sanchez Forrest, or returned new manager, I suppose would be more apt. Uh, do you think that a, a defeat like this to Manchester City just it, it can just happen because of how good they are? Do you put any of this loss at either the feet of the managerial change, so the ownership, or at the coach himself? Well, to answer the first part of your question, it can definitely happen. It can happen to any club, and that's any of the 19 clubs. Uh, if, if you don't go there with a, an organized team um, and, and play to their maximum, then they're, obviously they're very capable of doing what they did. Obviously, five goals in the first 20 minutes, that's, you don't expect that. But, um, but yeah, so in that respect, there's nothing to worry about really um, in isolation from that result because it can happen to anyone. But if you're asking me if I think what they, what the club have done over the past few weeks has contributed, then I'd have to say yes because I, I don't feel if um, you know Garcia or Garcia is still their manager um, that they'd be that disorganised. I think they, they you've, they'd have a tighter game plan when you've got a new manager coming in. And he's got to communicate his ideas about how he wants to attack and how he wants to defend. And okay, I think they got a a, a, good, a good. Who did they play? Was he was he in charge when they played Arsenal the other week, or was it still Garcia? Yeah, he was in charge. Yeah, he was, was in charge. Yeah, they got they got a good result there against Arsenal. But it's a very different setup to then go to the Etihad because you've got to set up to defend. You know, you've got to set up to be tight, compact, organised. If you do anything else, you, you're going to get taken apart. And so it's, it's probably a combination of the manager perhaps getting the tactics wrong, but also just not having the time to, to um, you know, communicate his ideas. But I think in changing the manager, they've significantly increased their chances of being relegated at the end of the season because I think Garcia was a good manager, a good tactician. They've had this manager before and they didn't like him. They got rid of him. What's going to be different this time? Um, I just think changing it is a, was a poor decision. Uh, I think they, they pushed the button far too prematurely. Um, I would never have sort of thought Watford would be down at the bottom with the players they have. They've got some good quality, uh, particularly going forward. Um, and, I, and I think they'll, they, will, they will amass points and they will get wins. I don't think they'll be cut adrift at the bottom of the table. But, um, but yeah, changing the manager to me, particularly to a manager they've had, before just just seems a very odd move to me. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Kike Sanchez Flores uh, is, or even the club management, is at the feet of this particular result, or the blame can be put at their feet for this particular result. Um, I think it was kind of just City got angry and City smash. Um, uh, but as far as their general decision to get rid of Gracia, um, I'm not entirely sure on it. Uh, it's actually quite funny. Um, before the international break, uh, one of the stats bombs writer stat bomb writers um, posted a tweet with like their expected goals for and against, and said literally said Watford should not panic. And then they fire him like two weeks later. Like update, they panicked. Um, so <laughs> I like I I don't really I don't know if it's necessarily the right decision, but they do have a pretty good record of um, you know getting the timing right when they're. T- keen on moving on to a new manager. Um, so I guess they get a bit of the benefit of a doubt, but then reappointing Sanchez Flores is also questionable. I think, funnily enough, part of it was um, for the defensive stability, which is funny now, considering. Um, but yes, I don't know if it's the right decision. I've 
do not think they'll be cut adrift at the bottom, and I still think they have a decent chance to stay up. Um, but I don't think this helps their chances of staying up. Yeah, what really blows my mind is that they are a better team talent-wise this year than last year. Um, they fixed, uh, in theory, <laughs> it feels hilarious to say this now, I thought they improved in defense by bringing in Craig Dawson. Um, no, he's not incredible, but I've been having serious doubts about that defense for years now. Uh, and then obviously bringing in Saar, who can play an attack. Uh, I think both of those were very good signings. They managed to keep hold of Decore, who some people were sniffing around as well. I, I think I thought they were going to push on, and obviously the opposite has happened. So if you're looking at it through that regard, maybe that's why Watford thought it was already time to cut bait. And as Dan said, they they do this. This, this is just kind of a thing that happens at Watford. Um, but yeah, on the whole, pretty surprised. also think that this this worsens them, at least in the short term. And I saw some people comparing it to the Leicester situation where from the outside looking in, everybody was talking about how Peel was getting results um, at Leicester. Uh, and so it was surprising to see him let go. But I think uh, going to something that Thomas said, they're, they're bringing back somebody they didn't have that much confidence in uh, the first time. So I'm not really sure they'll have that same reaction out of the squad. But time will tell, I suppose. Come the end of the season, I don't think they get relegated. But just a, a little bit more drama that was almost immediately fired by. Uh, a near historic drubbing at the hands of Manchester City. All right, we will take a quick break and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, and we are back. Thomas, we'll start with you talking about Wolves. You kind of mentioned it uh, in the opening, but Wolves currently in the relegation places after what was an incredible year last year. Uh, What do you think has gone awry or kind of like you uh, kindly uh, recommended with Tottenham? Do you think it's just not time yet to panic at Wolves? Um, I don't think it's time to panic. Uh, I do think it. I think if you look at our results in isolation, I think it's four draws and two defeats. I mean, that's not awful. The fact we haven't got a win is a bit uncomfortable. But you know, we drew at Leicester on the opening day, a game we could have easily won. We had VAR chalk off a goal. Um, we were we clawed Man United back. That was a very useful one-all draw at home to them. You wouldn't turn your nose up at that result. Um, we okay. We salvaged a draw at home to Burnley. That's a game we probably would have looked at and thought we wanted to be winning. And then we lost away at Everton and, and, and got taken apart a bit by Chelsea. And they're not devastating results, you know. Uh, and even up to today at Palace, I mean, that's a decent point at Selhurst Park, you know. Not for we're not a team who are going to be pushing the top four. That's for certain. Um, and I don't think that was anyone's realistic aspiration. We. 
Um, so the, the the other thing has obviously been the Europa League and the additional strain and burden of those um, fixtures on what's a very small squad that we didn't add to really over in terms of numbers anyway over the summer. Um, so I think it's um, the additional games, um, the weight of additional expectation because obviously we're not that newly promoted team now. Teams know what we're about, how we like to play. Um, so I think that and and you know. And the combination of that with fatigue is, is possibly just taken a few percentage points out of our performances. And that that's the difference. I've already said that I just don't think between about 14 teams in the Premier League, there's, there's very much difference game to game. We could have won a couple of those games we've drawn. We could have lost every single game we've been in. So it, it's such thin margins. Um, so I don't think there's a, there's cause to panic, but we, we've got to get some some points on the board um, sooner rather than later because, you know, the longer it goes on, the more you start to think, actually, are we in a relegation battle? Um, I don't think we will be, but um, obviously every week that goes by, it's a little bit more concerned. Yeah, and the team makeup is obviously very different, but I think uh, Burnley analogies with getting into the Europa League are a little too easy at the moment. Don't think that's quite the situation, but definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, on the pitch, I'm curious as to what you think your best three is uh, up front, because obviously you bring in Catrone after you got very good performances out of Jimenez and Jota, especially in the back half of the season. Do you think he gets in there? And then obviously Traore with the assist has been supposed to grow into this kind of world-beating player, but he obviously has yet to do so yet. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been playing last season when we were successful over the second half of the season. We were just playing the two up front, and we we, we weren't playing with a third forward. We just had Jimenez and Jota, and they kind of were conjuring up ridiculous goals between them. Um, and that's how we what we tried to do at the start of this season. Um, we brought Catroni in, I think, um, not to play with those players, but to give them support and, and challenge them and try and break into the team. I haven't really seen enough of him to make a judgment. I don't think he's got the technical quality that Jimenez and Jota have. I think he's more of a, you know, a try-hard and, and someone a, a goal sort of penalty area poacher rather than someone who's going to do things and contribute to the all-round play. Um, today at, at Palace, Nuno obviously decided he wanted to be more attacking, and we we play with the front three with uh, Traore and Jota either side of Jimenez. Um, and in the first half, we, we opened them up a couple of times and, and should have been ahead at halftime. Um, so there, there's plenty to look at. I think at the moment, I think if we are going to play a front three, I, I would play Traore and, and Jota, just because I think Traore, Traore, we've been trying to play him at right wing back. And I think that's a bit of a gamble because defensively, he's very questionable. I had a nightmare against Chelsea last weekend. So... I'd, he's a player you want to try and get into the team because he's a tip player that puts people on the back foot. As soon as any defence sees that he's got the ball, they've either got to double up or they're backing off. And that's eventually what proved Crystal Palace is undoing today. They backed off and backed off from him in the 95th minute and he and he put the equaliser on a plate for Jota. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think at the next week against Watford, if we're playing the front three, I'm, I'm hoping it's Jota, Jimenez and Traore. Interesting. We'll definitely keep an eye on that and see if you can get back to your happy goal-scoring ways of last season. All right, coming to you now, Dan, to talk about Arsenal. I wanted to touch on today's match. Obviously, it was a weird one. Obviously, good to come back from behind to end up winning, especially down a man. But the performance wasn't particularly inspiring. But a lot of times, teams can build really strong runs off the back of wins that they, quote-unquote, weren't supposed to get. Do you think that this could kind of be a turning point for you? And what did you make of the match on the whole? Um, I don't really think that. Uh, I think 
uh, I'm not particularly confident in how good we are right now. Um, as far as the match on the whole, as you say, it was really weird. Um, we were really somehow almost going down to, to 10 men. I don't want to say it helped, but it seemed to uncover some weird level of urgency we just haven't had, um, both in the manager's um, approach and in the team itself. Um, in the la- When we were chasing the game down to one Vela, we really put them under pressure, which is something like consistent, repeated pressure where you come back at the team over and over again, um, which we really just haven't done that much this season uh, outside of the second half against Tottenham, which is, you know, having that only happen in like, parts of two games is not great but i guess at least it happened um and again the performance not particularly inspiring um the win is good winning is good i do like winning um but on the whole i don't really think this is the start of something new um because we played an outshot villa today we are now second worst in terms of shots allowed this season so you know throw a party for that but um i just i'm not sure we're particular we're like as good as we need to be um i think our players are very good but i don't think they're being managed particularly well um outside of the last what was about it played 20 minutes of this game there was still no control against newly promoted aston villa at home like we just do not have a mm. midfield and we haven't for most of the season and it's not it's like this is not a new thing uh, this kind of showed up last season as well uh, i i would get rid of Emery. I've been on record. Every listeners of the podcast know that. Um, I've been on record for that for a while. Um, Bring in Javi Gracia. Hey. Um, <laughs> I, just, uh, I just don't think we're very good under Emery. I don't think he's making the most of the players. Um, I don't think this, the setup is just awful. We can see the 31 shots to Watford last week. I wasn't on to, to absolutely die about that. That was like one of the worst performances I've seen. Mm. But that is up there with all of the worst performances under late period Wenger. That is so bad. We were outshot 31 to 7. And it's not like they were all shots from outside the box. Um, even this game, like we were, we only overtook Villa in shots uh, late in the game when we had that period of pressure. Um, and we were, again, it's not like we're getting outshot by teams, but they're all like all the shots are 20 yards outside the box. That's not what's happening. We're getting outplayed pretty consistently. And we're so easy to play against we're so easy to attack like there's no midfield there's never a game where i'm confident that we will be able to hold hold a lead because we just don't have the midfield to do it we can never put our foot up we have been unable to put our foot on the ball and control um and and they're error prone take the game yeah and they're error prone we have david louise and socrates and like and jaka plays and jaka shouldn't play um but he I, i don't know emery seems to like him a lot um which is another thing. Um, yeah, so as much as earlier in podcasts, it did seem like I'm reasonably confident <laughs> for us for top four. I'm not... I, I don't know how to feel because I don't think United and Chelsea are good either, um, especially with... United are in for a really terrible run with all their injuries because um, they just don't have any attacking depth. And without Pogba, they have no ball progression. Uh, they just can't attack, and Solskjaer seems uh, his bread and butter tactics seems to be sit and hit on the counter, which is great when you have players to counterattack with, but they don't. Um, at least not now because they're all hurt. Um, and Chelsea have their own issues with the extremely young team, and I'm not sure Lampard's actually a good manager. So, like those things give me some level of confidence, along with Tottenham's issues, which we've already discussed um, for top four. But it's more like other teams' issues that give me confidence rather than our own performances. Um, 
So I don't think this is going to be a turning point. It'd be great <laughs> if it is, but just there's so little evidence. It would really have to be just some kind of weird psychological thing, which overcomes a lot of things I can see on the pitch, which I just I don't think that's going to happen. I'd, mm. It'd be great if it did. I just don't don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, all of your concerns about Arsenal and all of mine about Tottenham are why I thought asking if somebody else could break into the top four was worth asking. Um, but yeah, things not looking particularly great at Arsenal, but as a staunch Tottenham fan, I'm used to you guys turning it around for reasons that make less sense than this. So I guess time will tell. I am tell. cool with just God's intervening and making <laughs> us good. If you if you guys want to do that, go for I'm it. all here for it. I'm yeah. here for it. Um, another uh, person I wanted to touch on uh, in particular was Nicolas Pepe. Uh, obviously a fantastic signing based on what he did last season in France. I've already seen uh, fans from other clubs kind of taking pot shots at him. Obviously he manages to get his first goal today. What have you made of his performances at the club since joining in the summer? Uh, yeah, it's not just opposition fans. Um, some Arsenal fans have been frustrated with him early. I am not. Um, I think he's quite good. Um, he's looks like a fantastic dribbler. Um, I'll look for his numbers in a bit for what his literal um, dribbles per game are. But he's been getting a lot of shots, been creating a lot of shots. And this is his first goal. And he's had he had one assist um, in North London Derby, which, I mean, it wasn't a particularly great assist. It was kind of just laid the ball off and then um, we scored off it. But I think he's looked quite promising. Um and again, some people are frustrated with him for reasons, um, but he's just it's he's been one of the guys. He's just a lot of output, like just lots of shots and lots of shots created and lots of dribbles, which I think will eventually come good. Um, and I think it's def- if if you think that he is a player who it will not come good because he's not a good finisher or whatever, or like it's all just kind of like stat patty fake numbers, uh, maybe. But I think it's too early to say that definitively. Um, so I'm pretty encouraged by his performances um you know come back to me in a couple months and we'll see if i'm still the same but so far i'm pretty encouraged and pretty happy with him yeah he's also insanely talented so maybe just like that is also nice really helpful (laughs) yeah just just give it a second before both internally apparently and externally people start piling on too heavily all right we'll move on from that player to more players in player watch where we're going to be discussing a player that regularly starts that could be losing their job sometime soon uh we'll start with you thomas is there anybody in that wolves team that's a danger of of losing their starting spot uh well it could be anyone (laughs) i think they've all lost their spot at some point (laughs) this season nuno has shifted things around i don't think there is anyone the only player that's ever been undroppable in the last two years has been conor cody and that's because we have no one else to play a sweeper. If he <laughs> if he gets injured, it's quite a uh, a talking point in most of our games. What would we do if he was not playing? Because um, we haven't actually been without him since Nuno Nuno took over. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean the player who was left out today, if I can cheat a little bit, um, is it was Ruben Neves, which may raise a few eyebrows for outside supporters who I think see him as one of our pivotal players and. To be fair, he, he has been one of our pivotal players for a, a long time. But if Nuno's going to shift to playing three forwards, that comes at the sacrifice of a, a midfielder. Um, and we've got João Moutinho, who's been brilliant. He really is the metronome of this team. Um, and then alongside him, we've got the more physical, powerful presence of Leander Dendonka. And those two actually played quite well today, I thought, um, up until... Palace went ahead and, and we got a man sent off and then things went out the window a bit. But so I, I think um, 
against Watford next week. It really wouldn't surprise me if Nuno sticks with that front three and persists with uh, Moutinho and Dendonka and, and leaves Ruben on the bench. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, Ruben Neves. That will definitely come as a surprise to people outside of the club, including one Dave Hendrick, who I know is a particular fan. Uh, Dan, who at Arsenal do you think is at the risk of being dropped? And it should be Xhaka, but it's not. I was gonna, I was gonna ask because, like, do you think <laughs> who should be dropped or who will be dropped? Because I think it should be Xhaka. But a quote after the game from Emery: uh, Xhaka played very well uh, on Thursday. He had a good performance against Watford. I only changed. I didn't say I only. I changed him because he played 90 minutes on Thursday. For me, he's a very important player. He is improving. So much to my chagrin, that doesn't sound like a player is about to get dropped. Um, so I guess after that, uh, probably Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, he got sent off today. Uh, and hasn't looked after he started the season well in Newcastle. But after that, he's been fine at best. Um, but more importantly, uh, he'll be suspended for our next Premier League game. And uh, Hector Bellerin is due back soon. Uh, he played for U23s on Friday. So um, I don't expect him for United next week or maybe even the match after that. But um, I do expect him to, be, to take his right back position soon. So then that would mean Maitland Niles gets dropped. All right, we'll definitely keep an eye on all of those players. Um, at Tottenham, I think it already happened, cheating, much like Thomas did, uh, with Ericsson being dropped. As I mentioned, he's had two really awful performances in a row. Um, and unfortunately, Lacelso isn't fit yet, and Delhi is injured as well. So the, the obvious replacement isn't there yet. Lamella has taken on a lot of those creative duties, um, but he's done it from either pseudo out wide or as the kind of tip of the 4-4-2 diamond. Um, so it looks like he'll be kind of running that show until Delhi or Lacelso get back or until Erickson gets another chance. Um, but time will really just tell on that one. Uh, in defense, uh, Davinson Sanchez also had been performing terribly and now was finally dropped. Um, the only, the only part of the team that I've been pretty impressed by, uh, has been the midfield. I think Winks and Sissoko have actually started really well and perhaps related to our previous comments, they're the ones that threat with the signing of Ndombele. So, Maybe in theory, this whole plan of bringing in new players to challenge players that are already in the team is is going to work out in the end. But thus far, I think Erickson should be and at this point has been dropped, uh, despite how good he is on the whole. All right, we will wrap up with match previews. Uh, I'll start with Colchester versus Tottenham. I don't know much about them. I assume we will see a lot of rotation. I think this will be the first formal senior start for Troy Parrott, who is an incredibly talented young striker, although we've only known that for about 12 months. Uh, just somebody that kind of popped up, as we know, with the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Academy. The players that are always supposed to be the best ones never turn out to be. Um, so this is very promising for Troy Parrott, who nobody had really heard of. Uh, too long ago, so we'll probably see some of him. I assume Walker Peters will finally get a start at right back instead of Sanchez or Aurier, who it's been, I think, for the last three or four matches now, rotating the two of them. Um, so we'll probably see them. Winks, you'd assume, as well. I'm hoping Cessignol will be fit in time. This would be like a perfect match for him. Also, this would have been a perfect match for Lacelso, but still not sure yet on those injuries. Lacelso was supposed to be out till October, but he's already doing on-pitch rehabilitation, so that might, he might be beating that timetable, which would obviously be great news for us. Um, but yeah, we'll just kind of see where everything goes. Fourth, probably at the back, maybe paired with Tonganga. That would be exciting, uh, as he's a very talented young center back as well. But on the whole, obviously, assuming that we will win, but based on how things have been going for us, that might be a foolish assumption. Uh, Dan, coming to you next, Arsenal, of course, hosting Nottingham Forest. What do you make of that match? 
Um, can't say I know much about Forest this year. Uh, looks like they're doing reasonably well in the championship so far, so that's something. Um, but as far as the match itself, I guess this the key thing is this will be an, a good time for um, Bukayo Saka to get more minutes. He actually started today, which was probably the biggest, not probably, definitely the biggest surprise um, in the starting lineup, but had to be taken off at halftime after the Ainsley met and Niles red card. Um, but he did look quite bright in his 45 minutes. This is after he scored a goal and assisted two more in our Europa League um, game on Thursday against Frankfurt. So he is probably one of the bigger talents um, coming up at Arsenal right now. Um, so it'll be interesting for him to get more minutes. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe, who's had a bit of a rough year in the last uh, 12 months, but um, uh, he could get more minutes, uh, get some more minutes for Reese Nelson. It, I'm assuming it'll just be about getting um, the younger guys' minutes and getting a Aubameyang to not have minutes, not playing a Aubameyang. Please don't play a Aubameyang. He's already <laughs> played too much. We don't need to play him this game. Please, I'm begging you, Unai. <laughs> that, that's, really, that's really the main thing about this game. Play the young guys. Don't play a Aubameyang. Anything else that happens is fine. Good luck with that. <laughs> Thomas, we'll wrap up with you where you're going to be hosting Reading. Uh, thinking this might be a good chance for you to, to pick up a win? Yeah, would be good. We'll be good. We haven't won at all for a while. Haven't won in the Europa League. Haven't won in uh, the Premier League. So, yeah, it'd be good to... And obviously last season we made it to the semi-final of the FA Cup and had a nice day out at Wembley. So it'd be nice. We're only a few wins away from getting there in the League Cup because we've had a the luxury of a buy through to this round with uh, you guys probably take it for granted with the uh, constant European football, but it's <laughs> the first time in a long time we've sailed through with a buy to this round and Reading at home is quite a favorable tie. They're not pulling up many trees in the championship. Um, yeah, we've got to rest same as, same as what you were saying about the Arsenal and, and Tottenham got to rest key players, but also try and try and get the results. So um I'm expecting some changes. Nuno normally keeps the nucleus of the side fairly similar, um, but the, the big game is Watford next Saturday. We, we, can't, we really don't want to be the team that surrenders uh, a, a defeat to uh, to Watford after the run they've been on. So, um, so yeah, just rest as many players as possible in midweek, get a result, get through, and then, yeah, just rest up for an important game against Watford next Saturday. All right, well, best of luck to all of you. Oh, did I just say that to Arsenal? Whatever, it's fine. Best of luck. Thanks to you guys so much for coming on today. If you'd like to tell people where they could find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, sure, guys. As always, you can uh, log on to wallsblog.com if you want to read the latest uh, fans' opinions on what's happening at Molyneux. Uh, or if you're on Twitter, you can get us at wallsblog or on facebook.com forward slash wallsblog. And yeah, I'm still Dan, and you can still get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can also find my fantasy football writings over at ESPN.com slash fantasy. And then I also do live matches every now and again over at Omnisport, but you can't really go to there. They're more of a content provider than anything else. Uh, But thanks to you guys again so much for coming on. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.